and just trying to get all fired up. up. Hey, welcome to your favorite weekly sleepover, yesterday's news podcast. Um, I'm your host, Hannah, with uh, other host, Haley, and we're going to get into it we're today. We're going to spill some tea today. Yes. Um, I was just recently editing our last podcast, and we were kind of talking about, um, we kind of went into a rant at the end about, like, drugs and what drugs are acceptable. Yes. And it kind of got the idea started, like, Hannah, what, what, what was your first experience smoking weed like? I can tell you. Um, I went to a Lafa Taylor concert. <gasps> Very Eugene of you. And we went to Tugman Park, actually. Second most Eugene thing in this sentence. <laughs> and remember the like little path when we'd walk from our yes. house, and there was that big tree. Yes, we filled up the bubbler, smoked weed, and then we went to the Lafa Taylor concert. The guy I'm with is so high, and uh, we're walking up, and there's a construction site right next to the venue. There's like this group rustling, and um, this older gentleman comes up to us, and he's Hispanic, and he comes up to us, and he goes. Ayudame, ayudame. And he's bleeding. The guy I'm with is... <laughs> he's freaking out. He's like, this is too much. Blah. And I'm like, okay. And I know um, that ayudame means please help me. Um, and I go, okay. Like, what's wrong? And someone had punched him in his face <gasps> and thrown his backpack over into the construction site. <sighs> they tried to rob him. At a Lafa Taylor concert? Well, this is, like, downtown Eugene. Oh, we're, like, okay. the rough. <laughs> oh, we're, like, by the library at this point. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, like, oh, okay. You know, because I parked and we're walking. Mm-hmm. And so I was, like, oh, okay. I can fit into the little, like, hole of the chain link fence. So I go mm-hmm. in and I get his backpack and he says thank you. Meanwhile, the dude I'm with is just cowering over in some corner. Oh, like, oh, my God, this is too much. And I'm, like, this oh, poor man gosh. needs help. Men are so weak. Yeah, so I helped him. And then that was the Good. first time I got high. And wow, I was that's like, amazing. You know, yeah, I think that the stories are true. The first time you get high, you don't actually get high. It oh, takes, no. Mm-mm, takes a few no. Tra- takes a few I times. think the, the, the first time I actually got, like, super high was um, the time I called you. It's my favorite. And I go to the second most... Uh, smoked spot besides the Tugman Park tree. Okay, you go I'm up excited. to the swing behind uh, Spencer Butte Middle School. You go up the little forest oh, yes. walk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I stayed true to my promise. I completely freaked the fuck out. Do you remember me calling you? Yes. Um, I got a phone call. Um, I'm in high school at this point. Like, I'm a senior. And you called me and you were like, it's like Sims, but it's real life. And I go, <laughs> okay okay <laughs> great i was like tell me where you are i'm gonna pick you up but mom is like what's happening and i'm like so you snitched you snitched like a little bitch hannah well i knew you were gonna come home high <sighs> and i knew mom would i was like you can't be mean and she wasn't she cre- creeped up behind me she told me to go outside she's like go outside and wait for me like she said it's so mean i did I was not facing the door. She creeps up behind me, takes the back of my chair, and flips me down. No, you you were at a pin, you were at a pinnacle. Um, For sure. And that sucks 
Uh, being too high is not a fun... Not a fun time. But if you want to hear last week's episode about... What did we talk about? Robert Downey Jr. and uh, ghosts. So... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So That's get into one. it, y'all. <laughs> so um, I will start things off with a little 06 misclicks if Ooh. you are ready. Oh, Fantastic. Six. Getting in to the mood. To mindset. The mood. I am 16 years old. Uh, Just yes. got my driver's license. You're driving around. This uh, article is called Tom Cruise Canned from Paramount. What do you know about Tom Cruise in 2006? I don't know if it's exactly 2006. I feel like we are with Katie Holmes. Yes. We've jumped on Oprah's couch. Yes, we are deep into Scientology. Professed the love. Yeah. Deep in Scientology. I don't think Surrey's. Surrey's Yeah, I was about to be like, is Surrey born? That was my one pause. I think he jumped on the couch because she was pregnant, right? I think that was like, oh, then she might have been. Hold on. I'm going to check that really quick. Place hold. Oh, in 2006, April 18th, 2006. Okay, okay this is she's August. been born. And this was wild. I remember, like, the giving birth, the Scientology thing that you can't make any noise, you can't do any, it all has to be, like, this peaceful entering of the world. Fuck that, y'all. Haven't had a baby yet, but I'm just gonna already say, no, I will make whatever noise I want to make. <laughs> You can push a baby out and then tell me not to make noise, you assholes. That's what I'd be telling everybody in the room. Anyway. Yes, 100%. I agree with everything that you just said just right then. Yes, so she is born at this point. So Okay. Little baby. Baby. Tom Cruise has just gotten the heave-ho from Paramount Pictures. Wow. Summer Redstone, a chief honcho at Viacom, the parent company of Paramount, has ended Mm. the 14-year relationship with Cruise Production Company. According to the Wall Street Journal, Redstone cited Cruz's controversial conduct and behavior over the last year as the reason for the split. Do what you want to believe what you want to believe. I think he was acting a little erratically for people. Yes. Yes. Redstone reportedly believed that Cruz's antics, including his now infamous appearances on Oprah and Today, had a negative impact on the bottom line for Mission Impossible 3, Redstone said. As much as we like him personally, we thought it was wrong to renew his deal. Redstone Mm -hmm. told the Wall Street Journal, his recent conduct has not been acceptable to Paramount. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cruz produced a string of hits for Paramount, including Top Gun, Mission Impossible, and Days of Thunder. And then there's an update here. It says, Paula Wagner, Cruz's producing partner, responded angrily, claiming Redstone's comments were outrageous and disrespectful. Wagner noted that her collaboration with Cruz has accounted for for 15% of Paramount's theatrical revenues over the last decade. Wagner Mm -hmm. added that she and Cruz broke off negotiations with Paramount within the last few days. Finally, Wagner said her company raised a revolving fund of $100 million from two hedge funds. Oh. What? I have to see. I want to know what those are. The only reason I wonder that is because I know he's been in a Mission Impossible book right. after this. Okay, so, so. But that might have been produced by some. He might have given that to, like, Sony or. Oh, so it looks like he Ooh. hired a new PR person after this happened. And then he starred in Lions for Lambs in Valkyrie. I don't remember that. But apparently they were so impressive that Paramount was like, yes, we'll bring Tom Cruise back. But it looks like there's still hesitation. That's so strange. No, I I like Tom Cruise. I thought it was really funny. We just recently watched uh, Tropic Thunder. 
mm-hmm. which came the ability for him to not take himself seriously is really cool. And I think that was kind of the point of all of the shit that he was doing. Right. In 2006 was like, I, you know, whatever. Like, I'm happy. But. And, the, and then people just kind of took it and were like, look at this crazy dude. <laughs> he believes aliens came and religion, you know, and then everyone kind of screwed him over. But yeah, I guess we can hop right into our stories. Who went last week? I think I went first last week, so you get to take the stage, my friend. Okay. Alright, so this week, I am doing the death of Marvin Gaye. Alright, how much do you know about Marvin Gaye? You know, I was trying to think about that. You texted me last night about the death of Marvin Gaye. And I, I knew that something weird happened. I don't know if it's just because of this podcast has let us uh, read every article known to mankind about any celebrity, mm-hmm. or I've read it sometime in the past, but I know that something weird happened. It's very interesting. Uh, I listen to a good amount of Marvin Gaye, and I'm sure most everyone has. I mean, his yes. music is prolific. Uh, He was born April 2nd in 1938 in Washington, D.C. to some pretty strict parents. Um, His father was a minister, a Pentecostal minister. Um, He was a strict disciplinarian. His childhood was pretty bleak, pretty dark. He didn't believe in dancing. This is kind of like a footloose. Like it reminded footloose, me. Yeah. That's the kind of atmosphere he grew up in. No relationships with the opposite sex. Only if his uh, father approved. Uh, but Marvin Gaye played the drums and piano and multiple musical instruments and sang songs for the church. But they were always previously approved. What is interesting is that his father was a known crossdresser. For how strict he was about certain things, he was a known crossdresser in his community. That's so interesting for the time. Yes. Um, and the gay family was subjected to a lot of bullying over this. Yeah. And actually, Marvin Gaye added an E to his last name when he before he became famous and like right at the rise to kind of distance himself interesting from it and to also pull away from that last name because i mean think about the school year in the 1940s is when he's 1940s and 50s like he's like get me out of here so he adds an e to his last name his musical career slowly grows uh he is singing in the church he's found out by some scouts and then slowly through some luck and through connections he moves up gets a chance to go to Motown Records in Detroit and kind of leaves this life behind, Mm -hmm. you know? And so what I thought was interesting is I thought that he was gay, that there was this homosexuality that also followed him, but that's not true. That was something he was trying to... With Marvin Gaye? Yeah, that was something Mm -hmm. he was trying to kind of put behind. But it was like these rumors that had kind of built up behind his name. And I kind of thought that was the reason why he had all this hostility with his father. Because throughout his entire life, he has hostility with his father. Mm-hmm. It's not a good relationship. He has a super close relationship with his mom. His father's jealous. He's a super handsome man. Very successful with the ladies. And this, again, just infuriates his father. And so he goes to Motown, Detroit, leaves him behind. 
gets married, has success, writes some of the greatest R&B soul, like Motown hits with what's going on through the grapevine, sexual healing. How many kids do you think were like made listening to the sweet sounds? Oh my god. And what's interesting is because he grew up in this Pentecostal upbringing, sex was very shameful. So through this music and through his career and how he was growing as a human, he really found this like love and you know because sex was this dirty thing but love is great and there's just just this great little quote by him that he writes on his album cover um he writes in the liner notes of the album so when you open it up it says i can't see anything wrong with sex between consenting anybody's i think we make far too much of it After all, one's genitals are just one important part of a magnificent human body. I contend that sex is sex and love is love. When combined, they work well together. If two people are about the same mind, but they are really two discrete needs and should be treated as such. Time and space will not permit me to expound further, especially in the area of the psyche. I don't believe in overly moralistic philosophies. Have your sex... It can be exciting. If you're lucky, I hope the music that I present here makes you lucky. Wow, I love that. Right? I thought that, that was, was on beautiful. his album cover? Yeah, it's on his liner notes. Were genitals in his liner notes? <laughs> yeah. He, but I also love that it's like anybody's. He's like, I don't oh, care. Sure. Like, you're feeling these feelings. It's okay yes. to feel these feelings. You want to involve your genitals. Do it. Go it's for great. it. If my music's involved, that's all I want. I want you guys to fuck listening to my music. To my but music. consenting, I don't consent you are adults. Just yes. make sure you consent. <laughs> and I loved it. I thought that was really cool, and that was really yeah. him being finally breaking through of that childhood trauma and being like, "Yes, I feel this. Here it is." And they are they're the greatest songs, and I bet millions of babies are made to those songs. And good on them. <laughs> Good for y'all. So, um, during this time, um, he's gotten married, gotten divorced, gotten remarried, you know, living the touring dream. You know, it's the 1960s and 70s. He goes over and he lives in Europe for a while. He's gotten sober. So he had an issue with some drinking and some cocaine. The ladies... So he takes some time away. He goes to Europe, gets himself clean, kind of lives in exile for a while. Let's the success of um, his previous albums maintain him. And that's fine. He gets sober. He's feeling good. He returns back to the U.S. um, And he embarks on his final sexually sexual healing tour. Uh, he does not like touring. He does not like performing live. And so he quickly falls back into cocaine and drugs and kind of spirals out of control. Uh, so his career is kind of coming to this halt, uh, because he can't maintain a stage presence. And, um, he's also getting extremely paranoid. He is wearing bulletproof vests up until he gets on stage. 
Uh, he thinks that everyone's out to get him. He's feeling a lot of pressure to perform. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, he kind of takes a halt. Uh, his mom, who he's super close with, has a surgery. So he kind of moves home. He's trying to get his shit back together. He's trying to get sober again. He's gone on this tour. It's drove him over the edge. He's super paranoid. Is he super famous at this point? Yes. Okay. We All the hits are out. Oh, Everybody okay. knows him. But he's kind of at, a, at this weird stalemate. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to get clean he's trying to be home his mom's sick he he goes to nurse her back to health again he's never had a good relationship with his dad Mm -hmm. so it's pretty tense from the start he's apparently not there for a while when he first moves in it's him a couple of his sisters and his mom so everything's pretty hunky-dory they're living a good life Uh, but then his dad comes home and it gets pretty volatile pretty quick. And his sisters move out. But they try to keep the peace because they both love his mom. Mm-hmm. And she loves having him there. His dad has more than once said to multiple of the family members, if he ever touches me, I will kill him. Whoa. How did they get to this point? Did it say anything about, like, because he is this kind of... I think it's jealousy. He's rich. He's famous. He is who he is. Like, I think his dad's probably, like, feeling very trapped and and not can't be, like, the complete person that he is. And here's Marvin Gaye putting on his fucking, like, huge album cover about, like, loving who you want. He's probably just, like, anger. So, um, I mean, that makes sense to me. Yeah. And he's been a pretty angry guy through his entire life. Like, he's been beat. Like, it, it wasn't a good childhood. Like... Oh, okay. It's kind of been volatile from the beginning. It doesn't seem like they ever really had a good relationship, which is very mm-hmm. sad. Um, at one point, they kind of just try to avoid each other for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on Christmas Day in 1983, Marvin actually gives his dad a Smith & Wesson 38 Special Pistol because he complains that he's not, that he's afraid of intruders, which they, I mean, they kind of live in a rough neighborhood. So, I mean, I kind of get where it's coming from. But family and friends kind of take a pause. He is pretty paranoid. He's suicidal. He, they, they think this is a weird move to give someone. Wait, who, so did Marvin Gaye Jr. give Marvin Gaye Sr. a gun? Yes. Or the other way around? Yeah, the son gave the dad a gun, which everyone's kind of like, that's weird. (laughs) <laughs> because he's literally said he'll kill you all the yeah. time. So everybody is kind of like, this seems weird. He is kind of going off the deep end. I mean, he's staying in this house, and I think it's more just for himself. Like, I think he's kind of shutting down. Mm-hmm. In my mind. You know, this is my yeah. mind. Okay, okay, so we're in the days prior of his death. Gay's parents had arguments mainly over a misplaced insurance policy letter over their previous residence. There's been a lot of fighting between the mom and the dad. Marvin is sitting with his mom in her bedroom. His father is yelling downstairs. And Marvin's yelling upstairs in the bedroom, like, don't yell at my mom like that. If you have something to say, come up and you can say it. Say it to, to my me. face? Yeah. So he comes upstairs. Finally, there's a brawl between the two of them. And uh, like Marvin Gaye Jr. pushes his father into a bedroom and is like, kind of like, fuck you, whatever, and walks away. Mm-hmm. His father walks into his bedroom, retrieves the pistol that he bought him for his, uh, for Christmas, finds Marvin Gaye Jr. in his bedroom and shoots him once directly in the heart. Oh, wow. And essentially kills him. He's not dead immediately. Uh, he 
is bleeding on the floor. Did it say anything? Like, did he say that he felt, like, instant regret or, like, anything like that? Uh, his dad never says anything about that. He, um, I didn't see anything about him feeling too bad about it. But, um, so his mom screams and says, he shot Marvin, he killed my boy. Like, it's very clear. His brother, Frankie, is holding him as he's dying. So his, uh, Marvin Gaye says, quote, I got what I wanted. I couldn't do it myself, so I had him do it. It's good. I ran my race. There's no more left in me. Passes wow. away. He is pronounced dead about an hour after the confrontation started, um, and he died one day before his 45th birthday on April 1st, 1984. His father went to jail not for very long. He said it was self-defense, and well, in the house Bullshit. corroborated it, and yeah, he got on. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's insane. Yeah, it was a crazy story. I didn't realize how much torment that he uh, went through before it happened. Oh, he got five years probation. The dad got five years probation. That was the end of that. And he died way too early. But I didn't really know about his life. I knew that his dad killed him. I honestly, before I looked into it, from the very fleeting information, I thought that Marvin Gaye was gay. His dad was a minister, disapproved, oh. and shot him. That's kind yeah. of like the vague... What the narrative. Yeah, that's kind of what I felt over the overall story was. And I was so... no. No. It, it looks like it was just a very awful, toxic situation that brewed and brewed and brewed until it exploded. Yeah, unfortunately. You will always know those songs. I wish that we could get off the topics of, you know, death and guns, but, you know, here I come in with my my story of the week. My story is about uh, P. Diddy, also known as Puff, also known as Puffy, also known as Puff Daddy, mm-hmm. also known as Sean Coates. Yes. <laughs> And his involvement with a shooting that happened in Club New York. So, at this time, um, Puff Daddy was... (laughs) I'm just going to say P. Diddy. P. Diddy was... I know. It was hard to switch over to P. Diddy, and it's crazy to go back to Puff Daddy. It's like, oh, no wonder you changed your name, bud. I know, right. P. Diddy was in a relationship with Mm J-Lo, and J-Lo really rose up the ranks as a professional dancer. She became a... A successful actress and her newest single, If You Had My Love, the If You Had My Love and I Gave You All My Trust, that song, just started hitting the charts. She's a triple threat, rising quickly in the ranks. She was all that. God, I loved J-Lo. So, on December 28th, 1999, Sean Combs, Mm -hmm. aka P. Diddy, Mm -hmm. and his girlfriend, JLo were celebrating a new album coming out from his uh, 21-year-old protege, Shine. Yes. Also known as Jim All Brown. They were partying up in Club New York that was in Midtown, and uh, they were just having a t- the time of their lives, yeah. doing their things. I wonder what the clubs were like in the 90s. The New York 90s clubs, I mean, we, okay, because Studio 54 was really like 70s. 80s yeah. was probably dwindling. Oh, it was out. Yeah. 
at this point. So 90, like, people had to pick up the slack because people still mm-hmm. wanted that. They wanted this New yeah. York nightlife. And New York is the city that never sleeps. Yeah. And we have, like, the introduction of, like, fun hip hop, like, danceable. Oh, God. I bet it was fun because yeah. that's, like, the music we grew up on. So I bet, like, that's exactly the club we wanted to be at. Uh, after partying it up all night at Club New York, J-Lo, P. Diddy decide to, decided to leave mm-hmm. for the night. They're ready to go home. As they're driving home, they get pulled over by a police officer and his Lincoln Navigator. <laughs> I remember it, yeah. It's the thing before the limo. Like, yes. you want to be in a limo, but you're not in a limo. Police searched his car, found a handgun and a stolen gun. P. Diddy was arrested on a criminal possession and a possession of a stolen property. So he got arrested that night. So did J-Lo. Yes. But J-Lo was also released. Court dropped that case in within an hour. I don't know yeah. if her agency got a handle of it or they realized that. Yeah, and it's not her car. It's not registered. Wasn't her car. Yeah. During this time, the police were actually questioning them about a shooting that happened at the club that they were prior around 2.30 a.m. So back at the club, Jamal Brown, the 21-year-old protege, Mm -hmm. was arrested and charged with carrying a 9mm handgun. And as we know, Jamal was signed to Bad Boy Entertainment, which was P. Diddy's label. Bad boy for life, sorry. Right. And he ends up being charged for the shooting. Um, Three people were hit. The one that was most hurt, hit was Natanya Rubin. She was 29. She was shot in the face. And then two other people were shot in the shoulder. Oh, no. Yeah. In the face. So he was charged with the shooting because he was obviously caught red-handed, had a gun, yeah. was at the club. Yeah. End of story. Booked it. Mm-hmm. Got arrested. Also, y'all, like, they have bodyguards. Why carry right. your own gun? Right. <laughs> you got a dude. Uh, <laughs> some journalists went and questioned um, Eric Funk, the owner of the club. Great club owner. I'm right? here for that. Yes. Yes. 100%. Uh, asking kind of what what did you see during this night? Like, how? why did Jamal shoot this gun? Why is Jamal being arrested for this thing? He was like, well, it looks like they're all celebrating Shine, the, the new rapper. They're having a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, they were with other celebrities, and a majority of them were professional athletes, he couldn't name any of the athletes, but he's like, there's a bunch of athletes in here. Yeah. Um, they were having a good time, uh, Funk said, and then there was a scuffle at the end of the evening by the bar and shots were fired. Uh, later, yes. turns out, according to New York Magazine, when they were in the club, Combs, a.k.a. P. Diddy, was carrying a bottle of champagne and accidentally jostled one of the club's patrons, knocking a drink out of his hand. The man, Matthew Allen, was a guy that everyone knew, known as Scar, responded with a shove things escalated apparently one of apparently one of scar's friends threw a stack of money in p diddy's face oh that's a weird progression of actions so we got someone shoving someone else well don't fuck with someone named scar they started fighting scar's friend threw a stack of money fighting shots fired shots being fired i mean did he get to keep the money though like i wonder if it's like if i got (laughs) he doesn't need his p diddy he doesn't need any money i guess i'm just looking at it from hannah perspective i'd be like oh thank so sorry i spilled your drink and now you're shoving money at me thank you <laughs> but scar don't shove a guy named scar y'all come on shine p diddy's protege uh claimed that p diddy sold him out to save his own skin um if you're a protege fuck it i'm so sorry i'm so sorry for anyone who might be my protege but if like right. shit like that went down i'd be like yeah you and it seemed at this time it was pretty of a, a pretty much a dark time for p diddy he was dealing with 
he at this time was dealing with a he's pleaded guilty for this to aggravated harassment in a case of attacking an, a record executive mm-hmm. steve stout mm-hmm. with a, a telephone and a champagne bottle wow his weapon of choice of champagne bottle is really uh, consistent i love it and, I know. Yeah, it's classy. It's his. It's his. It's his attack weapon. Um, he was then. He only got scheduled one day anger management when. Oh, okay. Guilty. And it seems like he was actually mad at this guy just because he was a consultant of Nas, and oh. Nas had him and his music video hanging from a cross. So he's pretty pissed. So he took it out on his uh, record exec. So after all of this craziness has happened, this is when Puff Daddy changed and morphed, if you will cocooned into the p diddy that he is today he wanted to put his past behind him and so he does what he did best and did a new name change that makes sense so after everything happens yes shine gets arrested he gets charged for nine years in prison and he's pissed yes he's pissed he's like fucking p diddy like ratted me out didn't stand by me i started this whole fight because he was like because I was with him yeah. in the crowd. He was getting into a fight. I was there with him. We are bad boys for life. And here you are ratting me out to save your own skin. It's bad boys for life. So Shine got yeah. the worst of it. He ser- served almost nine years. Um, this whole incident actually inspired a Law & Order episode in 2001. <gasps> what? Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. No, I it's pretty it. crazy. Okay. And then, strangely, in 2012, the guy, Scar, who originally started the whole fight, was shot to death in a club in 2012 in Brooklyn. And so, is that is that is that what the point you're trying to make going back is it is it p diddy's conglomerate getting revenge on, on scar mean, all these it. years later so shine ended up being released the same year that scar gets shot in this club in in brooklyn shine and diddy actually squashed their beef and they ended up going to paris fashion week together what a weird event i know to, to go together I'm sorry that uh, I got you to shoot these people for me. Let's go to the Versace show. Yeah. <laughs> and then a few a few years goes by. Shine, September of 2020, he announces that he was running for office in Belize. Did he win? I, it was 2020. Who knows? Oh. I think the voting is this year. <laughs> wow. Did not know. <laughs> so to kind of hype up this this direction he, he went to, he did an interview with Hot 97 about mm-hmm. the entire shooting so many years ago and i'll read this uh this quote from hot 97 uh-huh i was in fear for my life shine began scar who is the instigator i know scar from brooklyn those are my guys i didn't have a problem with him it wasn't my beef this was puff's issue they had a problem with puff for whatever reason scar nino and the entire brooklyn cloud was in club new york i seen them it was all love when we started arguing with puff i know what scar is capable of i know what nino is capable of i know what happens when these arguments start once they start it becomes a problem a serious problem once he starts talking crazy yeah i became afraid for my life once he says it's about to happen then it's about to happen i saw someone reach for their gun and i reached for my weapon and defended my friends and myself 
Because once it starts firing, once whoever pulls the gun and starts firing, it doesn't stop there. Oh. And then uh, recently he also had a interview with Fat Joe. Oh, love Fat on Joe. Fat, yeah, on Fat Joe's new Instagram show. Um, Joe asked Shine about his decision to draw a gun. And he says, I'm thinking about saving my life, Shine told Joe. I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by 6. I think for Puff, he is a corporation, and he's thinking about the corporation. So obviously something like that affects the corporation terribly. At this time, I was thinking life or death. We didn't have an opportunity for him to say, think about, thank you for saving my life, saving Jennifer's life, for, for saving all of our lives, because he was thinking about the corporation. Did I jump the gun? Absolutely not. And then he said, he did he apologized he apologized for me when we met paris he did say that he could have handled it better but he was under a lot of pressure from lawyers to throw me under the bus and that's what happened wow i mean i think he was he was young and scrappy and i think that shine was also more in tune to what was happening yeah whereas like p diddy was currently in like the whole upper echelons of like the record business the music business so he's kind of like thinking of a different level of being like oh this shit doesn't happen to me because i'm fucking puff daddy i'm with j-lo i think that also just like where he's saying that there was two different thought processes Mm -hmm. where shine was thinking this is i see people die from this happen constantly and p diddy is just like oh this is just my ego i'm holding a giant champagne bottle that i accidentally punched someone with like it's two completely different worlds and unfortunately he he really paid the price i'm gonna look it up see if he won that belize presidency or whatever that's a good point he was elected into belize's house of representatives good for you shine on november 11th congratulations shine well i think that was i think that's all that i all that i had i think we can we can wrap up this what did we learn this episode what did we learn this episode we learned don't shoot people shoot people god (laughs) easiest number one lesson when we have enough of these life lessons we need to just put them in a book yes and we'll tell you exactly what you need to know (laughs) well i hope oh well i hope you have the wonderful rest of your day and if you'd like to support us you can um follow us on our social media on twitter we are yesterday's underscore pod mm-hmm. on twitter and we are on instagram we are yesterday's news pod if you could please give us a rating on itunes as well apple apple podcast we would super appreciate that we, love it. we are posting all of our favorite reviews in our instagram story so um, if you want a little shout out that way we will do that that way it makes our heart grow three times as big yeah huge um health concern but but, but I we're mean, alive. Good feeling for the time. Good being. feelings. <laughs> All right. I hope you guys have a wonderful your week, and we will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Silly Bus by Captive Portal off their EP Something About That. Interested in working with us? Email us at yesterdaysnewspod at gmail.com for opportunities. Thanks.